I don't know about you and how you're getting on working through the book of James together, but I am so grateful that we are working through this book together because every time I read the section, I think, oh boy, that's a nightmare. And the fact that we're grappling with it together makes it such a joy. If you missed last week, Toby uh, speaking on our words and being careful with our tongue and what we, blessing and cursing last week. Absolutely fantastic. Have a listen online. And this week we're looking at truth and emptiness. And this bit of James is all about wisdom. And because it's a chunky bit, James writes lots of things about hell and destruction and things that are a little hard for us to grapple with sometimes and that can immediately kind of put the shutters up as we read it. Whoa, that's a bit heavy. I I don't like that. I'll move on. And yet there is such richness in this book of James and particularly as Ron started this evening talking about making disciples, there is such good discipleship training material in the book of James. So tonight I'm going to read the passage, it's James 3, 13 to 18, and I'm going to read it twice because it's that kind of passage. I'm going to read it first in the NIV and then I'm going to read it in the message. So you can either follow along if you'd like to do that in uh, Get Your Bible or your app out, or if you would like to just receive these words into your heart tonight, you might want to shut your eyes and let them sink into your heart this evening. So James 3, 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you. Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Same passage, the message version. Do you want to be counted wise, to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. Interesting, after what we heard last week. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourselves sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish convening, conniving. Thank you very much. I tripped on that word. Conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throats. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterised by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, 
treating each other with dignity and honour. These are the words of James we're going to be looking at this evening. And of course, many in this room and many out in the world, they're interested in the pursuit of wisdom. We desire, don't we, to be able to make right decisions that will affect our lives in a positive manner. People understand the key ingredient to have in their lives is this thing called wisdom. What is it? Wisdom is the ability to look at a situation and pick the correct way to handle it and therefore be in a position to reap the rewards of that wise decision. Would you like wisdom in your life? I, for one, I absolutely want more wisdom in my life. And it's an interesting thing, wisdom, because as we pray for wisdom, and the Bible tells us to ask God for wisdom, and I often do, he often takes me through a road I wasn't expecting to teach me wisdom. It comes at a cost, it comes at a price, and yet the pursuit of godly wisdom is something that we should all be into. But James tells us here that the question is, what type of wisdom are you listening to and adhering to? Do you listen to wisdom that originates from God? Uh, We don't know, but I'm wondering whether James was thinking of that verse in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, which reveals that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Maybe he was thinking of that. There's this chap, Bill Hybels, some of you will have heard of him, and he has, says this about how to attain true biblical wisdom. Do you want to begin the process of acquiring something that is worth much more than gold? You start by obtaining the knowledge that is most central to the deepest human needs. The knowledge that there is a God who is powerful and personal and head over heels in love with each and every one of us. A God who has extended to us through Jesus Christ, his son, the hand of forgiveness and grace. He says, come on, take that hand and I'll help you make your life work. That's where we start. That's what Bill Hybels says about wisdom. Take the hand of God and trust him step by step and day by day to teach you, to lead you and to guide you into the things of godly wisdom. Of course, there is this other wisdom active in the world and that is the thought processes generated by this world. This unspiritual wisdom, James says, leads to disorder and every kind of evil practice. In other words, those who live according to this wisdom or belief system will be in disarray and will, be, will follow the path of destruction. So we really want to be keen to examine our lives tonight and see which type of wisdom that we are choosing to follow, to make sure that we are being influenced by the right kind of wisdom we need to discover what wisdom is controlling our lives. And the best way to do this is to study the Bible, the Word of God, and to see what it has to say. May your Word move in power. 
tonight. And when you think about wisdom throughout the Bible, the immediate thought is going to Proverbs. And Proverbs, if you need wisdom in your life, you might like to start having a look at the book of Proverbs. Again, Bill Hybels says this about the book of Proverbs. Wisdom, what is wisdom? Wisdom is what is true and right combined with good judgment. Other words that fit the umbrella of the biblical concept of wisdom are discerning, judicious, prudent, and sensible. I read that and thought, "Mm, Bill, I'm not very excited by those words. Discerning, yeah, I want to be discerning. Judicious sounds a bit safe and boring. Prudent sounds even more safe and boring. And sensible, you know, sensible. And yet, Bill Hybels goes on to say this, not very glamorous words perhaps, but words you can build a life on. And sometimes we need to build our lives on things that aren't just the things that come and go in this world, but we need to be building our lives on what is firm and solid and true. And so in the book of Proverbs and in our passage tonight in James, there is this clear picture of two kinds of wisdom. One breeds people who are called wise and the other, according to the Bible, breeds people who are called fools. One will set you free, the other will put you into bondage. One will give you life and ultimate satisfaction, the other will bring discontentment and lifelessness. One produces a life filled with eternal blessing. The other breeds a life filled with emptiness. So many people resonate with that word emptiness in our world today. People are longing and searching for something to fill that void of emptiness in their lives. But they're searching so often in the wrong places. And sometimes we too, as followers of Christ, can begin to seek to fill that void by looking in the wrong places. The Bible teaches us that as we follow Jesus, who is himself the truth, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. It says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This book, this relationship with Jesus has so much to speak into our world, our lives of emptiness. We're just going to watch a video of Marianne's story. It's a great story, a great testimony of how that emptiness was filled by the truth and the truth that set her free. And before she knew about the truth, she thought she was living in freedom, partying and drugs and enjoying life. But actually, she was living without the freedom, true freedom, that only God brings. And as we seek to live in the truth day by day, as we seek to be wise followers of Jesus, then how do we do that on a day-to-day basis? How do we keep that going? How do we become wise? And James gives us some top tips, some do's and don'ts for living in the truth and living wise lives that are fulfilling and not empty. So we're just going to spend a few minutes looking at the passage and exploring the two kinds of wisdom 
that James is talking about. And we're going to ask three questions. Number, question number one is going to be, how will the two kinds of wisdom affect a person's heart condition? Question number two is going to be, how do the two kinds of wisdom affect a person's belief system? And question number three is going to be, how does godly wisdom affect a person's lifestyle? So we're starting with number one, as it seems good to do. How will two, these two kinds of wisdom affect a person's heart condition? Because James tells us that what is in the heart really matters. The wisdom that comes from above comes to a heart that is pure. Pure means uncontaminated with the philosophy of the world. Instead, a pure heart is centred on the ways of the Lord. This heart is centred on the mindset of the Lord. This person has a heart that has experienced the cleansing power of the love and mercy of God. And therefore their heart is as white as snow. That beautiful scripture that says when we get right with God, he makes us white as snow. This heart is spiritually in tune with the Spirit of God, and its condition is one which is healthy. It's a heart that will live and not die of a heart attack. It will live for eternity. The reality is that wisdom only starts with a relationship with God. If you have no God in your life, then you don't have godly wisdom. But if you know God, you know wisdom. As you follow him, as you read the Bible, as you walk day by day in his presence, asking for the Holy Spirit to empower you, for his presence to go with you, that's when you know wisdom, when you know God. Again, Bill Hybel says, I like the phrase, phrase rich towards God. What does it mean to be rich towards God? I think it means to give God what he desires most, which is a relationship with us. Some of us give ourselves lavishly and freely, richly to all sorts of people, activities, achievements and responsibilities. We devote our time, our energy, our creativity and our attention, to our education, to our work, to our families and friends, to pleasure. But we forget about God. We never consider what it means to be rich towards Him. In other words, to have a heart that is spiritually connected to the heart of God. The link in wisdom is to have this spiritual connection no link, no wisdom. No link, no spiritual insight to make right decisions. See, ungodly wisdom has a heart which is contaminated by the world's system. So this ungodly wisdom, at its heart, it has selfish ambition driving it. It is full of envy. This heart is blackened by the sins of the world. It indulges itself in these sinful desires which are weakening its heart and will eventually cause a heart attack that will kill it. In this heart, self is at the centre of the universe and not God. 
This heart does not try to hear from the Spirit of God. It is not directed by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Question number two. How do the two wisdoms affect a person's belief system? The second comparison made by James is that wisdom from above acknowledges the truth and wisdom from below denies the truth. So wisdom from God acknowledges truth. Wisdom of the earth, it denies the truth. And in fact, it entangles people in a web of deception. So often, not by people's own choosing, which is why we must share the good news of Jesus Christ with all those we know and love, those we meet. Because so often people are entangled by this earthly wisdom, not by their own choice or their own decision, but just because they haven't heard about the good news of Jesus. The heart which is controlled by wisdom from above will submit to the truth that God is God that he has created absolutes in this world to protect us and to bless us within this life. Truth says, I will follow God because God knows best and I definitely don't. In the Old Testament, truth is a term which denotes a reality that is solid. It is unwavering. It is real. It is authentic. It is firm. This truth is what the purpose of life is about. It's not a fantasy. It is reality. Then truth in the New Testament implies a reality that is proven by the facts of history. It is proven by the experience of life. It is, it is proven by the life of Jesus and by God's involvement in this world. Truth is defined as the real state of affairs. This is to be the normal way to live according to truth, not the deceptive way of fantasy. This truth is one that we can rely on. That if the truth is in control in our lives, that in the end, everything will be okay. Maybe not along the journey, but in the end, if we live by the truth and we hold on to the fact that God is in control in the end the truth will prevail truth with all its wisdom brings power and knowledge and that spiritual power and knowledge produce life and that life reflects a light that points back to what is true Jesus Christ a heart that is controlled by wisdom of the earth, of the world, is a life that has been deceived. Then there's this inability to see their deception. And therefore, re they reject the reality of truth. Because to them, what we call truth is false. It's a lie. In their unspiritual condition that they cannot determine that their condition is being influenced by a wisdom which is not of God. The wisdom that says, reject the ways of God. That's not truth. Truth is living for yourself. Focus on yourself. 
on selfish gain, on building your own career and your everything that's good for you. Live for you and only for you alone. Focus on the self. That's real. You can trust in the self. You know you are real. That's what life's about. You. Just about you. As a result of rejecting the truth, folks embrace the philosophy of self. Life revolves around what they want to do, what they want. And this distorted mindset gives way to selfish ambition and to envy of others. When we're in this place, we look at other people and we see not how can we help them, but what can they do for me? What can I personally gain? The two wisdoms not only affect the condition of the heart or influence our belief system, but they also negatively or positively impact our lifestyle. So question number three, and we're coming into close. How does godly wisdom affect a person's lifestyle? James makes another comparison of the two wisdoms. He notes that wisdom from above will bring harmony and peace to a life, whereas wisdom from below will bring disorder, chaos, and mayhem to life. The life of one living under the influence of wisdom from above will have a life in order. Let me clarify, not sorted, not whole, not easy, none of those things. But if we live by godly wisdom, then it will affect our day-to-day decisions. It will affect our lifestyle choices. And I can tell you, um, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say this now. Carlos, just kill me if this is not right. Uh, But Carlos was brought up in a family that was just caught up in the most incredible web of lies. He's giving me the nod, I'm okay. Incredible web of lies. And it was lie after lie after lie. His dad lied about which country he was from. He lied about so many things, what he did for his work. He asked his children to lie. There were so many lies that covered up lies that they didn't even know anymore which was a lie and what they'd told who, and it got them in such a mess. You see, this godly wisdom isn't to be boring. This godly wisdom affects our lifestyles to bring wholeness and goodness and fruit, to bring not chaos, but order. And a life based on wisdom from above, James says, will have seven character traits which will bring fulfilment in life. So as we close, we're going to run through the seven character traits that James lays out for us. Number one, pure. They will have a life filled with purity from above, which means freedom from the control of evil. Number two, peace-loving. This life will have peace as a primary attribute. Don't we want more peace in our lives? To be peaceable. In James, there is an earthly wisdom that seeks to hurt others and to look out just for myself. But we are able to seek wisdom that brings people closer together and closer to God. It's not always easy. 
but this wisdom produces a life which knows the value of creating harmony in relationships. When people are peaceable, they produce good will to others and prevent wars. Number three, considerate, or we might use the word gentle. It's a person who knows how to forgive. It's the person who tempers justice with mercy. Sometimes decisions need to be made that recognise that people are always more important than things. Let's be considerate and gentle. This wisdom knows the value of being empathetic with others. It values the feelings of others and knows that others are very important to God. Number four, submissive or reasonable. It means being willing to listen, willing to be persuaded, skilled in knowing when to wisely yield. Ones who have their self-centred impulses, which we all have, under control. They listen to God, not their selfish wants. They know what it means to be godly stewards of their money and their possessions. They are people who are influenced by the wisdom of God, which says, you yield to God what belongs to God. Number five, they are full of mercy and good fruits. The ability to care and reach out to others through acts of love and kindness and not selfishness. This type of mercy that says, I will forgive you when the other person doesn't even want your forgiveness. The kind of mercy given to others, even when the person has brought the problem upon themselves. Be merciful, full of mercy and good fruits. Number six, impartial, an unwavering quality. It's the ability to be calm in the storms, being stable in turmoil, the ability to be steady, operating according to God's way, holding on to the truth that in the end, he is God and he is with us and for us and will see us through the ups and downs of life. Finally, number seven, sincerity or a lack of hypocrisy. This is the quality of being real, not plastic, not phony, but real with one another and with ourselves. These seven character traits that James lays out for us affect our lifestyle, our lifestyle choices, our day-to-day living. And he gives us this wisdom. Today, as we've been thinking about this passage, maybe there's one aspect of that that you are struggling in. One aspect of that where you're thinking, no, I know better than God on that. Or one aspect of your life that you think, oh boy, I need to learn to be more peaceable. Or I need to learn to be full of more mercy rather than judgment, to be sincere. In these moments now, as we respond to James and the word of God, just think about what is it for me that I need to take to impact my day-to-day living, to impact my lifestyle choices, 
to live a life that is wise and will honour the Lord. Let's pray together.